How are we all doing this morning? <laughs> Good. This morning we're going to continue to look at uh, uh, the Gospel of Matthew and the series that we've been looking at. Uh, before we do, let's just pray and come with this word into His hands. Our Heavenly Father, we come to You this morning. We acknowledge You. We acknowledge Your work. Even though sometimes, Lord, we are just there praying for someone or talking to someone. We thank you, Lord, in eternity, you have a plan and a purpose. So help us this morning as we come around your word. Help us, Lord, to be a people who would know what your word is and we will apply it to our hearts. Be with us, we pray this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for those of you who are coming this morning and those of you who are online watching us. We want to thank you um, as we get around His Word. We've been exploring the book of Matthew and we're looking at different responses to the man, Jesus. Uh, Tim has been speaking about a few of the controversies that we have been picking up in, uh, in, this, uh, in the book of Matthew. And uh, last Sunday we looked at sign controversy. And then we looked at spirit controversy, the Sabbath controversy before that. And this morning we're going to look at family controversy. I don't know about um, your experience uh, of what a family is. Some people have the most wonderful family life. But for others, it's been a miserable experience. It's like you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. You know, when you get married, you find that you're part of two families. In India, we call it when you get married, you get married to a clan. Join the church, it's another family. Well, Jesus had a family as well. He knew all about families. He just didn't appear on the scene as a solitary figure. Unattached from everything. But he knew what a family was. He was first of the several children in his large family, one of five brothers, and he had few sisters as well. So he would have been very well acquainted with family life in a real world. So in today's Bible reading that was read before, we see that Jesus' mother and his brothers come to Jesus. They have traveled around 30 kilometers by foot and have come to speak to Jesus. It's very interesting. They didn't come to hear him. As he was teaching there, they came to speak to him. Now, why were the disciples, uh, sorry, why were the, uh, Jesus' family looking for Jesus? Why were they looking for him? Verse 46. This morning we're going to go through these verses. And we go verse by verse and we'll look at, get a whole picture of what was happening in this scene of family controversy. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Here is Jesus in a crowded room. And in that room, there were teachers of the law as well, listening to every word that Jesus was speaking. So Mary and Jesus' brothers were there to kind of a, on a rescue mission to rescue Jesus from the growing opposition 
And they're a bit embarrassed as well of what Jesus is getting into. So they thought, well, we'll get him out of the situation. In fact, the theme of Matthew chapter 12 is the rejection of Jesus Christ by the scribes and the Pharisees and the people as well. As Jesus was growing in his ministry, the, uh, he was growing in popularity, the opposition was growing as well. In fact, last Sunday we saw the Pharisees and the Sadducees were out to trap Jesus, so they asked him for a sign. One of the easy way to remember Pharisees is far you see people, far-sighted, near-sighted. Sad you see, sad you see people, always downcast, walked about with things in the society. So these were the Pharisees and Sadducees. They were out to trap Jesus. They followed Jesus wherever he went. In the beginning of this chapter 12, Jesus and his disciples were in, in, walking in, in the grain fields. They were hungry. They took some grain. They crushed it and put it in their mouth. And the Pharisees said, oh, look, these guys, they told Jesus, your disciples are doing this work on the Sabbath. They shouldn't be doing this. It's wrong. Can't you tell them? Working on a Sabbath. In fact, they had made the Sabbath thing such a big issue that people can't do any work. There were some crazy uh, ideas about Sabbath. One of the Jewish books, uh, Mishnah, records things that a woman should not look into the mirror on a Sabbath. If she finds a gray hair, she'll be tempted to pull out. They won't eat eggs that the chook laid on a Sabbath. All kinds of crazy things. So here when they found Jesus' disciples getting this grain, they accused him. And then Jesus heals a man with a shriveled hand and they accused him of healing on a Sabbath day. They were not concerned about that man with a shriveled hand, but they were concerned more about the Sabbath. And Jesus healed a demon-possessed man who was blind and could not speak. Jesus healed him. And you know what was the reaction? Matthew chapter 12 23 to 24, all the people were astonished and they said, could this be the son of David? And when the Pharisees heard this, they said, this man casts out demons only by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. Look at this, just look at this verse. People were astonished and they said, could this be son of David? They were kind of giving a title, son of David. Now in the... Uh, Old Testament times, David was one of the well-known kings who expanded the nation of Israel, who even started building uh, 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 the temple and who later his son finished it. Son of David was a, a term given for royalty. And the Pharisees heard this. Could this be son of David? Uh, that must have angered them. But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, this man casts out demons by the prince of demons. Wow, from the position of royalty, they reduced Jesus to the place of demons. Now, they just didn't reject Jesus. They went so far to say he was demonic. In fact, Jesus was the chief of the demons. So this was a kind of a situation that was taking place. And Jesus' mother and brothers thought this situation had gone too far. And now they're accusing him of being demonic and, and not patriotic. And now they were plotting to kill Jesus. So they probably wanted to plead with him not to be so controversial in his ministry. They knew that he was being accused of shocking things. 
And so they could see that sentence written on Jesus and they wanted to help. So they stood outside because of the crowd and they were wanting to speak to Jesus. Jesus was still speaking as they came there. And what did they do next? They got hold of someone and sent a message to Jesus. Verse 47. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. So this man went into the room and told Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. It's very interesting that Mary was involved in this. She knew in her heart that Jesus was God, the Messiah. Because when Jesus was born, as uh, Simeon and Anna and angels all announced, told her what the son was going to be. So she knew in her heart who Jesus was. So maybe it was her, her other sons who forced her to come along. Maybe she could twist Jesus' arm like he did at the, the, first, uh, at the first miracle, the wedding at Cana, where, he to, where Mary told Jesus what to, what to do. So the, the other brothers thought by bringing Mary along, they could perhaps force her way in and talk to Jesus. Well, we don't know. We don't know about that. I'm just speculating here. It could have happened. Well, we'll ask, about, we'll ask Mary when we get to heaven. They did this because Jesus' brothers did not believe in Jesus. Even his own brothers in John chapter 7, it says, even his own brothers did not believe in Jesus. They did not believe what Jesus was all about. In fact, it was only after the resurrection that his brothers believed that he was the Messiah. So at this point, maybe they wanted to put some sense into Jesus. So they sent this word. Can you, can, can, you, can you ask Jesus to come out and see us? It was an un, there was an unexpected reaction from Jesus. He didn't come out. He was still there talking. And verse 48, it says, He replied to them, Who is my mother? And who, is, and who are my brothers? What a reaction. Why did he say that? It is one of those moments in Jesus' ministry that sizzles with intensity and drama and significance of what he was trying to say. Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Come on, Jesus. Everyone knows who Mary was. Everyone knew who Jesus' brothers and sisters were. And what is Jesus going on about saying here? Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, it says, Isn't this a carpenter's son? Isn't this mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simeon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Now everyone knew who his brothers were and his sisters. And yet, what is Jesus trying to say? Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Doesn't he know his own family? At this point, was Jesus trying to deny his own family? It's not to say that he didn't love them. He loved them. In the context of this chapter, Jesus uses the visit of his family to show an important truth. And here, he was going to drop a bombshell. That was going to stun people when he, asked, when he said, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? What Jesus meant was, Who is really related to me? 
who really is my family? Who really has any familiarity with me? Who can really put such demands on me in regarding to responsibility and fellowship? So when Jesus asked this question, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? In the next verse, verse 49, he answers his own question. He points to his disciples in the room, as Mark says in his writing, Jesus looked, looked around in the room and he saw his disciples and he said, pointing to them, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Jesus uses the visit of his family to emphasize an important truth. Now, what is going on here? The Jews, during Jesus' time, had this belief that they were the chosen people. They had a special status with God, a special relationship with God. God had only chosen the Jewish people, and rest all of them were fuel for hellfire. Those are the Gentiles. And they were only chosen by God because of their father, Abraham. And we know the story in the Old Testament, how God chose Abraham out of among all the Gentiles. God chose Abraham. And these Jewish were very proud people. We are the sons of Abraham. And as God chose them from among other Gentiles, they were special people. Jesus was dismantling this belief that the Jews held. That they were the one who thought they were the only ones who would enter the kingdom of God. Because they were physically related to Abraham. And only Jews who would enter the kingdom of God because of the direct lineage with Abraham, who was the father of the nations, of, of this nation. So the Jews were quick to give some credit to the ethnic origin, as if being saved was a matter of being born in the right family. And Jesus was saying, you may be born in the right family, yet you cannot make it to the kingdom of God. And for us, friends, we might think we are born in a Christian family, so I become a Christian, I, go, I can go to heaven. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't matter where we are born. It matters when we accept Jesus Christ into our lives. That matters. This is what Jesus says in Gospel of John. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Yet, to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave them the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God to all, to all who received Him, to those who believed Him, to them He gave the right to become the children of God. This morning, if you and I believe on the name of Jesus and we received Him, He has given us the right to become His children. Doesn't matter if you're not of the lineage of Abraham, we become God's children. And this is what Jesus said, pointing out to the disciples, here is my mother and my brothers. What is this implication for you and for me today? What does, it, what does it tell us? What are the lessons that we can learn? Just imagine, friends, if Jesus was standing in our midst and is pointing his finger at us and said, you, you, 
are my brothers and sisters. You are my brothers and sisters. Because we are part of the family of God. We are adopted into this new family. And Apostle Paul goes on to talk about it in the book of Romans. About being adopted into his, into his family. 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. We are the children of God. See how great the love Father has lavished on us. So Jesus' family is not based on this kind of a relationship. It's not based on flesh and blood. It's not based on heritage and inheritance. It's not based on religious affiliation, uh, uh, affiliations. Jesus points to his disciples in the large crowd and says, Here are my mother and my brothers. We'll go on to the next verse, verse 50. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. He just didn't end in verse 47 just by pointing out to his disciples. He goes on to add to what he was saying. And whoever, as you've seen in the scriptures before, all, whoever, Jesus simplifies this in a beautiful statement. He brings home the truth. Look at the pronoun, whoever, which means anyone. Anyone doesn't have to be of the direct lineage of Abraham. Anyone that includes the Jews too who were in that room. It included the religious teachers. It included the Pharisees, the Sadducees who were in the crowd. It included his own family. Jesus was given open invitation here. In this room, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, sister, and mother. This statement, friends, that Jesus just said here in verse 50, it opens wide the gospel gates. There is no limits. Open to anyone who would come by grace through faith enter into the kingdom of God, into the new family. With Jesus' own family, we know at least two of them, of Jesus' brothers, at least two of them, who went on, besides their mother Mary, who went on to do great things. James, one of the, one of the brothers of Jesus who later became an important leader in the church in Jerusalem. In fact, he, he held, he was a leader. He, he supervised the first council in Jerusalem who later wrote the book of James in the New Testament. Another brother of Jesus, Jude, who calls himself the bond servant of Jesus. He doesn't even call that I'm a brother of Jesus. He says I'm a bond servant of Jesus and the brother of James. That was Jude. And he wrote the book of Jude, a small letter in the New Testament. So friends, anyone who comes to Jesus, believes in him, becomes his family. Jesus adds further to the statement, anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven, not of the, of the father of the nation, Abraham, but my Father in heaven, that must have sent shockwaves to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What is Jesus talking about? 
The Greek word for does is a present principle, which, which implies, which tells us it's an ongoing behavior. Jesus is describing someone whose way of life is always on about doing God's will. Always doing God's will, not just on a Sunday, but every other day, keep on doing God's will. Jesus came to do the will of the Father in heaven. And Jesus himself set an example for us in doing God's will. John 4.34, it says, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. Even when the prospect of dying or horrifying death on the cross, Jesus prayed, and this is what he prayed in Luke chapter 22, verse 45. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Jesus knew the gravity of the situation. He knew what he was facing. He knew he was going to be up on the cross with all the accusations. He was going to die. He knew at that moment on the cross, his father was going to turn his face away from him. He knew he was going to cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knew the gravity of the situation. And he said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup of suffering that I'm about to face. Take it. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. What an example he has left for us, friend, in doing God's will. It doesn't matter what we are facing. Even Jesus was facing this cross. It doesn't matter, friends, what we are facing in our day-to-day life. Let's do His will. And Jesus says, whoever does the will of my Father is my brother, sister, and mother. So what is God's will? It's that people acknowledge Jesus Christ as His Son. And obey Him. That is the will of the Father in heaven. We know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says to Him, I know Him, but does not do what He has commanded, is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys His word, the love of God is truly made complete in Him. What is God's will, friends? To obey His command. Whoever says, I know him, and does not do what he commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in the person. But if anyone obeys his word, the love of God is truly made complete in them. Every day, friends, let's obey him. Do his commandments by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord of our hearts. It is then that you recognize Jesus as the Lord of your life, that you are saved by grace through faith in Him. That the basis of a spiritual relationship is not outward, but inward. And so in conclusion, friends, Jesus was not suggesting that we reject our family for gospel's sake. He is not commanding us to forget those closest to us so that we can pursue our dreams and our calling and our passion He's just reminding us that the only thing needed for being his brother or a sister is doing his will, doing the will of the Father. 
the will of the Father is to obey His command. That we love and trust and obey Jesus. Friends, if that's the case this morning, if you say, I'm doing God's will, I love Jesus and I have Jesus in my heart and I want to do His will daily. I want to obey Him, love Him and trust in Him. If that's the case, if that's what you're saying, Jesus is saying, you are my brother, brothers. You are my sisters. What an amazing invitation God has given to all of us that we all can be part of his family. Isn't that wonderful? And not just for this limited time on this earth, friends, but to eternity. To eternity, we will be with him as a family his family, praising and worshiping God. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you this morning as we looked at this very small passage in Matthew. Yet, Lord, in this passage, you've given us such an awesome invitation to be part of your family. And thank you this morning that we are part of your family. That we are, that, that, that we, your brothers and your sisters Thank you, God, that we can trust in you. Thank you, God, that your invitation is not limited to just a few people, to a special status people, but your invitation is for all. Those of us, Lord, online watching and wondering, it's difficult, it's hard, but that's what you've called us for, that we will trust in you, obey you, love you as a family of God. Thank you, Lord God, that you love us this morning. Help us in our walk with you to be constantly aware that you are our brother. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.